Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Hopefully, uh, especially after last week, you've had something that maybe took you a little bit surprised by surprise as we engage with the subject of creativity. Because when I, when I speak to you about our voice, when I speak to you about creativity, I'm essentially talking about the fact of who God has made us. Every single one of us in this room is incredibly, powerfully, beautifully unique. Uh, last week, we talked about the fact that uh, Psalm 139, that all the days ordained for me were written in his book before one of them came to be. Key word there, before. So before one of my days came to be, my, my, God had planned my life. God has got a plan for you. There's something about you. There's something about me. There is a reason we are on the planet. Not an accident of biology, not, not just because you were conceived, just because your mom and dad, who you may or may not know, decided to get together. There is a reason you are on the planet. God knows you and he wants you here. So we actually haven't re-engaged with the... Um, Isaiah scriptures, which I want to write at the beginning, Isaiah 61, the first four verses, says this, the, Lord, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew ruined cities they have been, that have been devastated for generations. So you see, to rebuild, to restore, to renew, these are acts of creativity that... that that part of our role on the earth is to rebuild, to restore, and to renew. And uh, I want to I ask us, you know, in all the, the, the coming and goings of our life, in all the things that we have become, what is it? What is it that you are passionate about? I'm not just talking about excited about. I mean, there could be numbers of things that we like. There could be numbers of things that we enjoy. But I'm talking beyond that. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about some of the stuff that, that touches the, the core of, of who you are. Maybe 
If we're being absolutely honest today, you're not even sure how to answer that question. Maybe it's because, in fact, T, if you could just uh, come up. Um, I'm going to try and just give us a little bit of a, uh, an illustration. But maybe, maybe it's hard to know what I'm passionate about because I'm distracted. I'm distracted by my history. I'm distracted by my pain. I'm distracted by my anger. I'm, the, the, the list goes on. Whatever, whatever distracts me from being the person that I'm supposed to be. And, and, and that's why we, we talk about the fact that when I come to Jesus, when I come to Jesus, Jesus recalibrates my life. He, he, he restores me. He brings me back to the original plan. The plan that was in place before you were born. So when we accept the gospel, we are opening ourselves up. When I accept that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, paid for every wrong thing I've done, when I accept that, it's not just about getting religion. It's not just about so I go to church. It's understanding that, that I open myself up to the possibility of healing and recovery. Recalibration back to the image, back to the original plan. I thought it's interesting. We, we, before we recover, we need to uncover. Before we recover, we need to uncover. Let me, um, I think I can just chuck them down to you. Uh, I've just asked Tando to, to help me out here. I was trying to think of an illustration. See, <laughs> feels buff now, I said. Um, I was trying to just give an illustration that it's all great talking about the fact that, yeah, you know, when I was born, God had a plan for me that there was something precious there. It's all, but the, the thing is, life puts stuff on me. People put stuff on me. And so when, when I arrive here, before I get to Jesus, this is how I look. And, 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 I mean, if we really want to go in, we could say that, that some people, they come to church and that because they never deal with this stuff, they've been coming like this for years. They're still carrying things. They're still wearing things that they were never meant to carry. And so what we end up with is a distorted view of who you are. We actually don't know you. And, uh, you know, that, that's why, I mean, like, I'm always a big advocate of freedom in Christ. I think everyone 
everyone who comes to know Jesus, like get baptized and then go on the Freedom in Christ course because that is going to change your life. What does that do? Well, in order to discover the me, in order to recalibrate me, there are things, there are layers that need to come off. That's what, that's what freedom in Christ will do. That's what, as I begin to understand what it is that, that God wants for me, that what I, I begin to understand how God sees me, then I begin to remove the layers that life, what he said, what she said, what they did, all the stuff that life has put on me. And then Jesus begins to reveal who I really am. And this is the version of me that God wants walking around. He doesn't want me carrying the stuff that life has put on me. He wants to expose the real me, the one he knows, the one he loves, the one he's got a plan for, the authentic version of me, because this is what Jesus does. Jesus, Jesus takes off the stuff life has put on you. And he reveals the gold. He reveals who you truly are. Thank you, T. Give him a round of applause. As we remove the layers, we have the freedom to discover what we are capable of. Last week, we, we looked at the fact that in reality, we can't help but be creative because we have the nature of our heavenly Father, the Creator, within us. God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, he created them. Image. Image. The word imagination comes from the word image. The word imagination means to picture to oneself. To picture to one's self. I want to say there's, there's a difference here between fantasizing and using your imagination. Fantasizing is about using my mind to escape reality. But imagination is using your mind to bring something into reality. Let me say that again. Fantasizing is about using your mind to escape reality. You see, fantasies are powerful. You know, sometimes, sometimes we have cupboards or drawers or rooms in our house that we really wouldn't want people going into. We've got stuff in there or it's not tidy enough or we're working on it, you know. My garage is a bit like that. I'm trying to, I keep trying to get to it. I keep trying to get to it. It's like, don't, don't go in there. I don't want you to go in there. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, that we have rooms in our mind, rooms in our heart that we don't let people in. Worse than that, we don't let Jesus in. Does Jesus have access to every room in your life? Does Jesus 
have access. You know, if he was walking, if, 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 if there was doors, if Jesus did a tour of your life and he said, what's behind this door? Would you let him in? Or would you say, what? no, Lord, no, sign. Just that's, let me show you this. Let me show you this. This is awesome. Jesus knows what's behind the door, whether you show him or not. Imagination is using your mind to bring something into reality because when we're talking about creativity, we must understand that everything you see began in somebody's imagination. The chair you're sat on was in somebody's imagination. The clothes you're wearing started off in somebody's imagination. The screen, the lights, the stage all began in someone's imagination. We see the image because it began in somebody's imagination. I find it intriguing that Jesus himself was a carpenter. He, he made tables and chairs and whatever carpenters do. I, I love the fact that, I mean, he actually could have spoken them into being. He, he, he didn't have to do the long thing, you know what I mean? He, he, he could have. He could have just spoken it into, into being, but he, he limited himself. God limited himself to make that stuff from scratch. I mean, those days, you know, like the carpenters didn't have wood delivered. You had to go and find your own wood. You know what I mean? You had to go and down and chop your own, your own tree. That's why, you know, I hate those, hate those pictures of a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus looking slightly feminine. You know what I mean? Like... That, that Jesus did not look like that. Firstly, he never had blonde hair and blue eyes and he did not look like that because he was a carpenter. He was a bloke. You had to go and chop down your own tree. You had to carry your own trunk of wood home and then you had to, then you had to, to work on it. See, only man has the ability to create from their imagination. Only man. Now listen, I know before you start saying to me, listen, I know that animals create things. I've, I've got a couple of things. There's some of my favorites. Where's this one? This is a, this is a weaver bird. I love these. Sometimes in, in Cape Town, South Africa, well, in, 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 even uh, all over South Africa, you see these birds and what they produce, and there can be several trees, and they, they form these incredible nests. We've got beavers. Beavers build dams. Isn't that incredible? I mean, you know, when you start talking about this stuff, I'm thinking, how can you not believe in God? Do you know what I mean? It's like beavers build dams, man. Then we've got, we've got, we've got this. Termites built this. Little termites. They, they, they built that. And then my personal favorite is, is, is the bees. Look at this. Isn't that incredible? And what I love is that, you know, bees did not go to hexagon-making school. <laughs> Guys, this is what a hexagon looks like. Now, I want you to work on your hexagons. They, they know, 
they know how to make hexagons. Do you know that the, the, the hexagon is the most efficient, least wasteful shape found in nature. And it's also the strongest. There is no more efficient way of using space in the beehive, using more, more, creating more space with less material than in a beehive. I mean, and the bees did not go to university to learn that. They just know. But I want to suggest that the creativity that animals produced is more by instinct. They don't deviate from what they've been programmed to do. We don't find, you know, the, the, the bees saying, you know what, I am tired of hexagons. It's about time that this generation did something different than hexagons. Hexagon is so yesterday. Hexagon is so last year. You know what I mean? I want to, let's go for squares. Let's, let's, I, I see a square. I, yeah, no, no they, they just keep building hexagons because they're programmed to do that. And this is one of the things that separates us from the animal kingdom because people can imagine and create things with infinite possibilities. They imagine and they create. Our imaginations are incredibly powerful. And, and that's why we need to be careful what we imagine. Because they're so powerful. Job understood this probably a little bit too late. Job said in Job 3.25, he says, For the things I have greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded, has happened to me. His imagination filled, filled with fear, created an unfavorable scenario. It wasn't just a passing thought. This was something that he thought about, meditated upon day after day. But the negative also proves the positive, that, that if your imagination can produce negative results, it can also produce Positive results. See, we're not all called to do the same thing, but we're all called to do something. That's why I've really steered away when I use the word creativity because most of us disqualify ourselves because there are so many people in this room right now that say, hey, I'm not creative. But because we've limited creativity, I don't know, to be painting and pottery and patchwork quilting or something like that. It's, it's so much more than that and speaks to the essence of who I am. Every one of us is meant to be a voice and not just an echo. Anyone can be an echo. Anyone can just repeat what somebody else has done, but, but God has put something unique in every single one of us. Remember what I said uh, last week, that, that even our very voice, the pattern of our voice is, is not repeated. Your voice cannot sound like mine. That's why, thankfully, because my bank uses voice-controlled security, and I can access my account because the technology recognizes my voice where it wouldn't recognize Yours. You see, we, we live in a time where people are very 
image conscious. People are very conscious about what they look like. I mean, this is a whole preach in itself because we so focus on the image that has been made on making the outside look amazing. And nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong, as long as it's in the right context because that's not all you are. The most powerful part of you is inside you. The most powerful part of you is unseen. So people are very conscious about what they look like, but not conscious enough about what their imaginations might be capable of. This is about discovering who you are. I watched a program um, on Amazon called The Watchmaker's Apprentice. And um, it's a a program about um, a couple of guys called George Daniels and and Roger Smith. And this, you know, I love all this kind of thing. But they are watchmakers extraordinary. It's said of them that they are the only men in history to master an art so completely and perfectly. And what they do, George Daniels uh, started, he makes watches. He makes watches. And when I say he makes watches, he makes the parts of the watch that make up the watch from scratch. He doesn't buy in a few cogs. He makes the cogs. So, I like... It is absolutely fascinating. And he, the, the story is also about Roger Smith, who was the only person he found uh, was able to take on his mantle, as it were. Um, and he, George uh, Daniels, discovered a watch at the age of five. He was brought up in quite an abusive environment in great poverty. And he found a watch and he opened it with a bread, a bread knife. And he looked inside the watch and essentially it changed his life. And something happened inside him that said, what would it be to make the perfect watch? And he actually invented stuff, which I'm not going to go into now because it's going to take too long. He's just absolutely amazing. So George Daniels has, has, has died now, but he's left the world with a watch. It's actually, there was a watch of his sold last year for about over three million pounds. So, not bad. What I love about that is the watch outlives him. And he leaves the world a slightly better place than when he entered it. And I feel that that is what I want to get across to us, that every one of us in some way should be thinking that we could do that. Now listen, you might not give a monkey about watches, and I get that. But maybe you can express yourself in dance or through written word or songwriting or DIY or gardening or art, preparing food, baking a cake. You might love building things, mechanics, numbers. Hey, who knows? The list is endless. George Daniels left a watch worth millions of pounds because he devoted his life. I mean, like, I'm sorry, I'm a creative guy, but to devote my life to making a watch? Filing down those little... I mean, I'm going out of my mind, even just thinking about it. Like, 
filing down those little things. But, but thank God he did. He was gifted by God. And I want you to understand something. And if this is messes with your theology, I'm sorry. But you see, I think he was gifted by God to, to, to make watches. I don't know necessarily that he gave the glory to God or that he even knew God. See, because I think there are some people in the world who know how to use the gifts, the God-given gifts, better than we know how to use them. I'm going over this side now. It feels a little frosty on this side of the room. We're all made in the image of God, people. Yes, some of us have found Jesus, but we're all made in the image of God. We're all made in the image of the Creator. The nature of the Creator is in every one of us. And that can be used for good or for ill, but there are many people who are far from God who know how to use their creativity for good. And God is honoured. When they use their creativity, God is honoured. Because that is, God put something in them to bless the earth. God has put something in you to bless the earth. That's why I just don't want us to come and hide in church. Oh my God, Lord, help me. I don't want us just to say, oh, you know, praise the Lord, I found Jesus. Let me just come and hide in church and, and just hold on till Jesus comes or I go to be with Him. Just I, the most gifted, the most the most talented, the most amazing people on earth should be the people who are in direct connection with their Creator. Creativity should be exploding out of the church. My, uh, my grandfather made this box. It's uh, not far off. 100 years old. To be honest, if he was going to leave me anything, I'd have gone for the watch <laughs> that was worth millions. But hey, he, uh, he made this box. It's actually got the dovetail joints at the, at the side. He, uh, I say that because I have no interest in making boxes at all, but he's made, he made a, a couple of them. And uh, my grandma used to keep handkerchiefs in that. So it's not really, it's not worth anything. It's made from cheap wood. I mean, he made it and he put it together. But, but I remember it being on their sideboard, you know, in my childhood. And uh, I've just got memory, many fond memories of it. He did it. He used to like gardening. He used to do things like this because he, he worked down the pit. He hated working down the pit. It was a, he mined coal. He worked, down there for, he worked down the pit for 40 years. Well, not, I mean, they let him up after the shift. <laughs> but over a period of 40 years. He, um, he also wrote poems. And somehow that ability with words got passed on to me. And then... Interestingly, let me tell you, my, I was thinking that it died a horrible death because my boys really uh, were not that excited or very good at creative writing at school. They used to get me to help them with that kind of stuff. And I just thought it had died a horrible death. But then they discovered music and the music unlocked that ability with words in them. So 
I didn't get left a box worth millions of pounds, but maybe between us, there could be a song or a something worth a million. I don't know. Why not? Why not? I think that the thing I want to also point out was that, that my grandfather, because he, hate, he was doing so much of, you know, back in those days, you just, you just earned money, you know. But this was something in the which way he felt he expressed himself. He did that also with writing. I, I do, the reason I asked you at the beginning about your passion is because I believe for all of us, our sense of well-being is linked to our passion. That's why it's, it's so hard for me to just come and do a brief session like this because, I mean, the, 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 the key word in, in, in this day and age, you know, is about mental health. And, and I, I, I want to say that one of the keys, I think, in, in dealing with our anxieties and our mental health is re getting re-engaged with who we are, who God has made us to be. Because every single one of us is good at something. What is it you do that when you do it, time just flies? You know, you lose time. For me, honestly, if I'm, it could happen in, in numbers of creative ways, but like when I'm painting or drawing, then I never, you know, I forget the time. What, what? What could you do that would make you check your phone less? You forget to check your phone. See, watchmaker George Daniels found that not only was his well-being linked to his passion, but so was his prosperity. I wonder, I don't know, wouldn't it be amazing? It's just that, and you call, call me crazy, it's just the way I think. It's just that when God created plants, he put the future in them. He put seeds in them for the future. So that he never, God never had to go and speak again to create a plant because he put the future inside them. They got, they got the seeds. And, and, and of course, it could be also said of us that that the seeds of the future in us because he told us to, to go and, and to multiply. Absolutely. He said to be fruitful and to multiply. But I want to suggest to us that wouldn't it be amazing if God also put the seeds of our wealth in us in that he gave each one of us unique abilities that would bless the world and would not only be the seed of our passion, but also the seed of our prosperity. And I just want to get into your head a bit, under your skin a little bit. I know somebody who trained as an architect because they, their parents wanted them to be an architect because architects make good money. And some of you are sat here going, mm-hmm, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But I need you to know there's, there's more to life than just making money. See, the truth was, she trained as an architect, architect. She qualified as an architect. Just one problem. She just loved cooking food. She loved blessing people with her food. That, when, she, when she cooked food and she watched people eat it, that's when she felt the most alive. That's when she felt 
That is why I'm on the planet. And she actually was brave enough and bold enough to lay down her architect skills and engage with her passion. Now, what might mess with some of your head is, is it, could it be, you know, maybe the happy end of the story was, and she made more money as a cook than she did as an architect. But we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. And maybe she won't. But maybe she will live a happier more fulfilled life. Maybe she will be a happier, more peace-filled, more content person because God doesn't want us to live our lives with white knuckles and gritted teeth, seeking to maintain the world that we've built. He wants us to enjoy life. Are you enjoying life? Because I believe that God, God has given us the tools to enjoy life. She felt, well, she could be an architect, but she felt she should be a chef. You see, there are things that you could do. My question is, what should you do? Because sometimes in life, it's not just about what I could do. It's about what I should do. In Isaiah 61, verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You see, there was a man called Nehemiah in the Old Testament who was passionate about rebuilding Jerusalem and, and, and he went to re actually rebuild a physical city. He had a dream to rebuild a city. I have a dream to rebuild, rebuild people in cities because I believe we're contending for people's souls. We're contending for people's souls. I think that, that we live in an image-driven, materialistic society where people are finding that there is not only is there no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, there is no joy at the end of the rainbow. And that is because the further and further we get away from our maker and the further and further we get away from his plan for our lives, the more unhappy we will, we will be. And that's why it's interesting for me because we talk about people who know how to use their gift uh, uh, their creativity so much better than many people do in the church. And that may well be true, but then that very same gift can kind of be a burden to them that they're unable to carry. The fame, the notoriety, the, the money that comes with it, they don't have the character to carry the blessing. See, the Spirit of God makes rich but adds no sorrow to it. So, so that, that, that when, when I am doing God's things in God's way, not only will I have, but I will have the ability to carry what I have. Because it's one thing to be blessed, but can I carry the blessings that He wants me to have? There is much in life that tries to tell me what 
I am not. So I think that sometimes, sometimes school, it certainly was in my day. You know, school was a place to find out what you weren't good at. And I want to say that, you know, I, I, you know it's like you, you need to work on this. You find what you're not good at and work on it. But what would happen if we found what we were good at and we worked on that? It's like this is an old business adage, but it talks about, you know, a school for animals and it talked about the, the fact that there were, there were um, the, the, the squirrel and the duck and the, the squirrel was getting A in uh, tree climbing and getting F in swimming. And the duck was getting A in swimming and F in tree climbing. And they decided to uh, swap them over. The squirrel drowned. And with all his attempts at trying to climb the tree, the duck wore out the webs in his feet. And uh, now not only could he not climb trees, he couldn't swim either. We, we need to find what it is that God has put in us and work on what God has given us. You know, I've, the thing is, I, you know, said at me at school, I, some of it was true. You know, I, I, I wasn't that good at math. I wasn't that good at sport. Never have been. But, you know, it, it's taken a long time to actually say, I'm not meant to be good at everything. None of us are meant to be good at everything. Sometimes we can get so hypnotized by what we can't do that we forget what we can do. It's taken me years, years and years to accept I'm a creative. You know, I was, I was, I was brought up in an era where that wasn't really valued. It was just kind of seen as a hobby. You know, like you do that, but you've you got to do the serious stuff. But I discovered along the way and much more recently than I would care to share that God wants me to lead from that place. He wants me to live my life from that place. Why? Because that is who I truly am. I've got to stop being what I am and maximize what I am. And there's lots of things that I'm not, but there's lots of things I am. And where, where, I'm, where I'm lacking, because I can't do it, there are other people who God will bring along who will make sure that they will give me what I need to do what I need to do. He wants me to lead from that place because that's who He has made me. And God wants you to love who He has made you. Some of us, we minimize. You say, oh, I'm good at, yeah, I'm, I'm only good at that. I'm only, I'm only good at cooking. I'm, on, I'm only good at numbers. I'm, that, we, you know, because we make out, I want to I be good at that. But I'm actually good at that. What if we just loved what God had made us? What if we loved who it was that God had made us? And I'm not saying that we don't have to work at stuff because there's some stuff that we think is just going to come too easy. You can't microwave that stuff. You've got, to, you've got to work at it and work at it. Everyone loved to hear the three million pound bit of George Daniels. They didn't 
want to hear of all the years and years and years and years and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of filing and making stuff and then it didn't work. We don't want to hear about that stuff. We just want to go for the three million. Well, if you want, if you want to try and go for the shortcut, that, you know, the only way for that is the lottery. And I'm certainly not recommending that. But if you want God to call something out of you, Every one of us is gifted. The clay doesn't say to the potter, I don't like what you're making. I need to crack on. You know, I'll tell you something. Um, I, I am able, I love doing it. It's not really about how amazing I am at it. It's just about the fact I love doing it. But an amazing transformational moment happened years ago when I was doing a drawing. I always had this thing about drawing. And, uh, and the, the, the thing was, I just I hated what I did. It's that, and I, once, I read a book, and it was one line. It wasn't the Bible. I know some of you would love it to be, but it wasn't the Bible. It was a, a book on drawing. And, and this book simply said, keep drawing, ignore the voice of your inner critic. Ignore the voice of your inner critic. And my, the voice of my inner critic was loud. Because every, all the time I was drawing, he was going, it's rubbish. That is rubbish. Oh my God, it looks nothing like it. What are you doing? Give up, stop. This is embarrassing. Oh, you're embarrassing yourself. Put it down. It, that's the kind of stuff that was going through my head while I was drawing. But that phrase changed everything. It didn't, the voice, the voice was still there. I just didn't listen. I just kept drawing. And guess what? The more I kept drawing, the more I kept going, he was right. It emerged. I realized that if I stopped listening to that voice and I kept going, then I would be able to do far more than I imagined that I would. To create means I must face my fear of failure. You got, you just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you, if you mess up, it does not matter. Just keep going. Creativity is about contribution. It's about what I give. It is a way in which we bless others. And we're all meant to con contribute. There is a story being written that we're all meant to be part of. Maybe I can't make cake, but my gift is sourcing ingredients for a good price. Maybe I can't make cake, but I can decorate it. Maybe I can make cake, but I need someone to create marketing strategies for me. Maybe I can't make cake, but I could do your accounts. Maybe I can't make cake, but I know how to throw a party and draw a crowd that will eat your cake and want a cake like that at their party. When everyone plays their part, something amazing happens. Because just like the cake itself, it's a blend of ingredients where some of them don't even taste that good on their own. I remember a little boy begging his mom to eat what he thought it was icing sugar. She said, don't, don't, it tastes horrible. He thought it was icing sugar. It was bicarbonate of soda. He learned that that needed to be in the cake to taste good. Maybe, maybe the cake thing doesn't work for you, but the orchestra, what about an orchestra? We, we all bring our sound because then we produce together what could never be produced alone. Maybe that's a bit like church. 
Maybe it's part of the way we touch the world to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. God wants to give you an instead because Jesus went to a cross instead of you. So he could give you an instead in your life. So great to see everybody here. But I know there are people here, maybe you've never been to church, maybe you're far from God. Maybe you've never even thought about a relationship with God. Maybe you once have, maybe years ago you went to church. And, and the truth of the matter is, right now you know you're a long way from where you should be. But there's something in you that responds to the fact that Jesus went to the cross instead of you so that He could give you a life that was more powerful and beautiful instead of the pain and the mess that is there now. This is the gospel, divine exchange, beauty for ashes. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads if you would, because I believe that there are people here who are just looking for an opportunity to say, Yes. In just a moment, if you don't know Jesus and you would like to, if you would like to see all the, the layers, all the coats that life has put on you, taken off layer by layer, if you would like to discover who you were born to be, and maybe, maybe that's a bit scary because all you... All you know right now is who you are. But I, all I can promise you is that if you trust Him, He will call out someone more beautiful and more capable than you ever imagined. That's why Jesus died on a cross, not to give us religion, but to transform our lives, all our lives. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK.